If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. First of all, Tim, it's free. We love free. Ah, There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Did I mention that it's free? I did, didn't I? You did. Well, it's not only free. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much every other one. Many, many more. And you can make money from your podcast. That cheddar. Cha-ching. With no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to get started. We love Anchor. Welcome back to Beyond Strange World. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you? I'm tired. I'm tired, Tim. You know why? Because I didn't get to bed until after 3 in the morning. What are you doing up between 3 and 4? I was uh, up during the proverbial witching hour, and I was making sure that there was nothing in my closet, under the bed, in the corner, in the apartment, in its entirety, and I'm not convinced that I was uh, not piggybacking some sort of evil spirit. Well, I'm positive you were. And who can tell us better than Christopher Garitano, star of Travel Channel's Strange World? Here he is on the line. Christopher, how are you today? I am doing well actually i'm doing pretty good it's the it's the end of a um, a chapter a very long chapter in this book uh you know strange world it's it's uh, this was the final episode of the season and um i've been working non-stop for over a year and a half on this show uh personally you know from its inception to now and so this is the first moment right now that i've i am um kind of free of it in a way you know so i can sit kick back and contemplate and 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 review the last year and a half of my life it's been amazing good well congratulations on the show i mean i really think it's great and this last episode in particular or the, the last one of the season demon time it's really interesting and you kind of go through you kind of hit on some of the topics you hit on earlier in the season, but this investigation is creepy as hell. And uh, I want to bring on your co-host, uh, filmmaker Haley Trainer. Haley, how are you today? Good. How are you guys? I'm terrified. Yeah, we're we're both extremely terrified. This was uh, the finale of the series. It was it was amazing. And Haley, you've been with Chris for this entire duration. What's your feeling like? Because I feel like I get a I get a warm sense of completion and some satisfaction from Christopher. I could be misreading that. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. How are you feeling after all this? Um, I'm feeling good. I feel like most of our investigations had a really interesting outcome, and we learned a lot. And we've had time to get over being afraid of everything. So, um, yeah, I think that everything is good right now. It feels like I'm proud of us. Okay. So this this episode, Demon Time, 
discusses the time of night between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. We can discuss how the demons know time zones later, but I agree that this is obviously like the the dead of the night, right? It's it's a time of night where you're you're deep in sleep. No one's supposed to be out and about. If stuff is going on, whether you're in a dream state or you're in reality, maybe something's going on, something's wrong. Um, so, and this is something that that has been in folklore, especially like paranormal folklore, forever, right? The succubus. Um, you hear about demons, um, paralysis, sleep paralysis tends to happen around that time of night as well. I'm terrified can, of that. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, so can you take us through what, how this episode came about? Uh, well, I, I wanted to address night visitors. That was my pitch, you know, and it was regarding the witching hour. And it was regarding what happens to people at night. So many different people experience a phenomena at night uh, where they're abruptly awoken. And now a lot of people address this, especially in the clinical world, as sleep disorders. But victims of this or people who are experiencers regard this as something else. They feel like this is some kind of other dimensional or otherworldly force that is the cause of all of this. Now, I have had a profound experience myself, several of them, but one of which happened when I was 14. And it happened two nights in a row during this traditional witching hour. And um, I'll never forget it. It was, it was just, uh, I get chills when I think about it. Want me, want me to tell you about it? I didn't even talk yes, about it in the episode. Please. Uh, I know yes. you you referenced it um, a couple times, but I definitely want to hear this dream. Yeah. So this wasn't a dream. Or okay, this, sorry, yeah, this experience. That, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I wish I was dreaming, and I and to this day I cannot explain what happened. And a lot of people think, you know, or suggest over the years, or have suggested over the years when I talk to them about this is that they said, well, you were dreaming. I, I wasn't dreaming. This was I, I got to interrupt you here. Haley, yeah. have you heard this before? Is this going to be an exclusive to everybody? Chris, give me a hint. The voices in the night. I told you the story. Oh, yeah, I did hear this. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is an exclusive to uh, to the Beyond Strange World audience. Okay. And I, I, you know, I have told this story maybe on an interview here and there, but this, okay, this, so this is very appropriate for this episode. And again, it, for some reason, because there's so many different opinions in post-production or whatever, and the rushing to get things done, we don't get this story in the episode. So I'm going to tell it now. So um, I was 14 years old. I, have, I went to a friend's house and spent the night with a couple of other friends and I was sleeping on this guy's floor. And so there was, I think, two other people in the room, including my friend Dave, who was sleeping in his bed. So in the middle of the night, uh, you know, I fell asleep and I was looking at the ceiling. His ceiling had all these glow-in-the-dark stars on it. And it was just normal, a bunch of 14-year-old kids hanging out. We listen to heavy metal music and, you know, whatever, talking about whatever. Everyone falls asleep. And I was the last one to fall asleep. And I fell asleep looking at those stars. And then... At some point, this is exactly around the witching hour, I, I woke up abruptly to the sound of this loud whispering. And it, it sounded like it was coming from a female, being articulated by a female you know, human, 
but I couldn't understand the words. It was like gibberish. And at first, my first reaction was to address my friends in the room and say, guys, who's doing that? And they were sleeping. And then I said it louder and I woke up my buddy who lived in the house with his mom and his sister. And uh, he said, go back to sleep. What are you talking about? I don't hear anything. And I couldn't sleep because I was like, what is this? My initial feeling was immediately this was off. It didn't feel or sound right. It was very strange. And so I walked out of the room uh, because I was compelled to find the source of this sound. So I ended up walking over to where his sister was asleep in her room. I thought maybe, okay, she's on the phone. His sister's on the phone. So I walk over to her bedroom. She's fast asleep. And now I'm still hearing this and I'm getting scared. And I'm like, what is this? And I walk downstairs and just looking, you know, I was prowling around this guy's house in the middle of the night. I just freaked out. Like I just wanted to find the source of this so I could go back to sleep. And um, his mom was sleeping too. I went downstairs, looked around the kitchen. Maybe there was a radio on. Maybe there was a TV on. Something. Nothing. And so I went back to the room terrified, listening to this, until I think the sun came up and I just fell asleep just because I was exhausted. So the next day I was thinking about it. I didn't really tell anybody about it because I was just really freaked out. I went back to my parents' house and to my bedroom that night thinking, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I imagined it. Maybe something happened. I don't know. And so I fell asleep and it happened again. And I was even more terrified. And I was like wishing it away. I'm like, what is this? Whatever it was followed me, you know, like, and again, I was up all night and I finally fell asleep. It never happened again. And it never happened before that. And I believe just after reading of so many different experiences over the years where people go into a haunted location that perhaps I was at his place, which was haunted. And um, I picked up a hitchhiker and it followed me home and I didn't want to hear it. And I didn't hear it again because I, you know, psychically and consciously, you know, subconsciously and consciously all at once, I did not ever want to experience this again. It was terrifying. And I was a 14-year-old kid with a head full of horror movies and ghost stories too. So I was like, this is a ghost. I'm being haunted. Now, I don't know what it is after hearing so many different things. I have no idea what that was. And at that age too, I was messing around with the Ouija board. So, Oh, come on, Yeah, Chris. yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> There's something so- to it. We can talk <laughs> about this. Yeah, we can. Now, what, what did it sound like? It was whispering. It was it was. Imagine a, a female whispering gibberish. Can't make out the words. Exactly. Yes. 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 Okay. That's pretty creepy. Yes. Now, do you think that any of this was influenced by your, um, you know, your viewing of horror movies or maybe an overactive imagination? I mean, this was this like a legit? Hey, this is a real thing going on. It, it, it was a legit, real thing. I really experienced this. I really heard this. Uh, and it only happened two nights. It didn't happen during the day, in the, in the afternoon, or in the evening, in the morning. It was just happening during that time for those two nights. And it now, hasn't happened since. No, it hasn't happened since. Do you think that this episode affected you more because you had this experience that stayed with you? I believe... 
and again, I was talking to parapsychologist Barry Taft, Dr. Barry Taft. He was like one of the real parapsychologists. You know, like we have a whole generation of ghost hunters and everybody is learning and trying things out. But this guy really, like if you if you get a chance to read his book, Aliens Above, Ghosts Below, this guy's so intelligent. You know, I was watching his videos in high school and stuff. I ended up talking to him a lot. And he's been on Ghost Adventures a few times and stuff. But uh, really, he is the guy to talk to about this phenomenon. What he believes is that it could be some kind of psychic projection. You know, he had, he'd considered that it might not be the dead speaking to you. It might be some kind of projection of yourself, um, one way or another. So I've considered that, you know, I, I, I don't know what to really believe, but if you yeah. believe subconsciously that let's say using the Ouija board might be a dangerous thing, then you might project somehow these spirits or these demons. And I'm not saying it's imagined. You might actually have, in his description, you, you may energetically have the power to conjure these things out of the ether, you know, right. um, in so many words. I like how you're open to that because I think that is um, very interesting, an interesting take on it. And um, but uh, regarding the Ouija board, you you went to see someone named Joy Wilburn, I believe, and uh, she was credited as being a deliverance minister. And That's a great title. That's your new <laughs> title, Tim. Yeah, I I am the new deliverance minister here at Crawl Space Media, and. She was like, yeah, you shouldn't be playing with the Ouija board. So do you have any stories of when you played with the Ouija board? And I, and I want to extend this one to Haley, too, because I know Haley was a, is a big fan of the Ouija board. Nope. <laughs> Haley's playing with the Ouija board right now. <laughs> yeah, she has a very profound Ouija board story. But, like, I, I only lived, uh, Haley and I actually, we both only lived maybe 10 minutes away from the Amityville house, the real one. And so we, as teens, we used to drive over there and, like, in the middle of the night with a Ouija board and um, and actually do seances on the guy's front lawn. It was fantastic. Was that sort of trespassing? Do we consider that trespassing? Yeah, well, you know, you, when you buy the most infamous haunted house ever, you better expect stuff like this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the statute of limitations has run out on that one, too. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> okay, so... Um... So, but what did you do? Did you did you feel the presence when you used a Ouija board? Like at that at that point in your life, do you, do you you mentioned on a previous episode of Beyond Strange World that you have a hitchhiker, and you think if I recall correctly, you said that you think you you picked up this hitchhiker while recording episode eight, right? This, oh, this Robert, yeah, no, this is the only time because I know uh, Alina, a field producer, um, <clears throat> she had experienced stuff so much that she would not go on to another ghost program that Texas crew was producing. What? Uh, oh yeah. And, and Alina is the producer who felt something in the yes. woods. I feel yeah. okay. Good. We'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. Myself. She was so she, I don't want to, re- I mean, I don't know how personal this is to her, so I don't want to reveal too much, but I know that she confided in us, Haley and I, and told us she was having several experiences along the way and she just didn't want to deal with stuff like that anymore that was after the show she was telling you guys that she was telling us while we were traveling oh, yeah. yeah she didn't yeah. want to talk about what happened yeah tramping grounds jesus okay we have to do some extended beyond strange world episodes because we just we can't pack everything in on that there's so much that happened behind the scenes that that where you know, 
Give us everything. Give us everything. Agree. No, I agree. I agree. I I, <laughs> I want to keep doing this. I mean, you know, yeah. the the audience loves this show. The audience that that knows of it and is watching, they they they're obsessed with the show, which is fantastic. I'm I'm proud of the show. I know Haley is. You guys love the show. It's like, yes. yeah, no, I want to keep talking about it. I want to keep making them. I want to go make my uh, hunt for uh, Two Toed Tom, the giant killer alligator. That's what I want. <laughs> We've talked about this. Yes, <laughs> we'll do. We'll do that remotely with you. We'll do that with <laughs> Skype or FaceTime. Uh, Lance guys, is going to be on the fan boat with you. I think you guys uh, will Chris. be in that airboat with us. <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll uh, see. Early in this episode, you go and talk to someone named Robert Ainsley, who is Robert a par- Ainsley. Yeah, a paranormal researcher, <laughs> and he has some amazing footage, video and audio of himself over the course of many years i believe now uh, as he introduced this mystery i find it really funny he was like oh i was with my son and i wanted to find something for me and my son to do so <laughs> i found an abandoned lake house <laughs> we, we went really, there at uh, three in the morning found some demons <laughs> <laughs> that really made me laugh but um you could go play wiffle ball yeah, I mean, the, the his story is fascinating and undeniably creepy as hell. So what, what do you make of um, of what he experienced? Well, this moment was cut out of the show. But when I first started talking to Robert and I was listening to, uh, you know, these Hieronymus Bosch demons that were talking to him in the middle of the night, I just it just came right out of my mouth. I said, Robert, you are in a world of shit. You know, like, yeah, I, 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 I was like, I can't imagine playing with this you know like i stay with i'm like i have a collection of a few different ouija boards i have one from ukraine i have they're just pieces of artwork to me well i could tell you a story about that but i don't play with them and i'm not trying to encourage this stuff and it seems like robert is like enjoying this it's like a hunt but the things that these things are saying to him if it is real those those evps you know the uh, electronic voice phenomena that Robert recorded in his bedroom and he's been monitoring himself. If that is real, I mean, if that's a real phenomena and he's not altering the, 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 the tracks, which I believe they are a real phenomena. He's, I mean, I don't want to be this guy. I want nothing to do with it. I was trying to shake it when I was 14 hearing those whispers. What do you make of, what do you guys make of, uh, of this guy, uh, both uh, Christopher and Haley, because you you met him. What yes. do you, what do you make of him when you when he's telling you these stories, and he's he's like, yeah, here's a video of me sleeping, and these these voices are saying that this guy's basically, you know, we're gonna we're going to kill him. This guy's got it coming. These are these are voices that are just in the ether, and he's got a doctor that says something's trying to kill you, and he had like like a, a laundry list of things that were was wrong with him that he almost died from Did, and you said to him Christopher like you're in a world of shit what that's exactly what i said when i was watching it what did you guys say to each other when you left when when you were done interviewing him did were you guys just like what like we need to wash this guy off of us yeah, pretty much and no offense to robert i like robert but at the same time he's playing with a lot of fire and I think he enjoys it. It's like the thrill of the hunt that's dangerous. And he, for some reason, he's just enjoying it. And I wouldn't enjoy that. I don't want these things near me. I don't want, if, the, if these things are, exist, I do, I don't, I want to sleep 
soundly. I don't want to be attacked in the middle of the night by a bunch of demons that are trying to make me sick. Like, I don't understand the fascination with that. You know, like you go in a house and start taunting demons. And uh, that's not me. Like, I, I mean, it's, even if you don't believe in it, it's yeah. still it's still like a very strange hobby. Yeah, a very strange hobby. I, ha- I I don't want anything to do with it. I, I Guys, think. If you're saying that that finding an abandoned lake house uh, with your son just looking for something to do is is strange, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, hey, I, let's go. Let's go have a catch. Let's go uh, to the movies. Let's go to this abandoned lake house at three in the morning and film things <laughs> and taunt <laughs> demons. That's it's like, it's like son. You ever hear of demons? <laughs> <laughs> let's go find some. <laughs> Haley, did you were you present during this interview? Yes, I was. What, what, what were you thinking? Were you just like, I felt, dude? I felt bad for the. I felt bad for the guy because I was like, I mean, yes, he is messing with a lot of things, but I feel like that stems from him not even being able to like control them being there, regardless. Like, I feel like they're just stuck to him at this point, and he has to deal with it. But also, chicken, yeah, chicken or egg scenario. Yeah, like being in that lake house with him, I was like terrified because I know that they like to haunt him so i was not super thrilled about being there it was so dark in that house it was so dark so this guy you think has these things attached to him anyway and he's just riding the wave that's i kind of got that a little bit oh man i can't even think of a good metaphor for that in his in a lot of our conversations with him where he like didn't even i don't know if christopher can agree with me he didn't really sound like they ever were gonna go away he didn't sound to have any, seem to have any. But, right. No, that's interesting, Haley. Like he, he was trying to accept the perspective and this is the way he deals with it. Yeah. I mean, that, you, you could certainly look at it that way. Regardless, I don't want these things in my life. Oh, mm. oh, you don't. You don't. No. It, it, it's, it seemed like you might have when you stared at the mirror that he took from this house that was cracked, <laughs> that apparently once it cracked, it let out a bunch of a legion of demons well, was, I have to be honest. I, I want as a as a creative guy and someone who who wants to explore originality. I just didn't want to use the typical REM pod over and over and over again. So I suggested, let's try something else, folks. Let's do this. I was the one that suggested we offer the sacrificial bones to Satan. You know, like I maybe that was a mistake. But <laughs> yeah, I just that was um. Scary. Yeah, no, and those things really happened that night too. With that it, was totally his idea. We did find the bones, and he was like, "Let's give them." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> that, that was, was my, my favorite. favorite. That was my yeah. favorite line in the whole in the whole episode. Yeah, I wrote down the exchange here. Chris says it sounds yeah. like a crazy idea, <laughs> right? And Haley goes, "Yes." And Chris, Chris says, goes, "Okay." okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious because in any other show, if it was. This sounds like a crazy idea, right? And then the person says, yes. The other person usually says, maybe we should rethink it. But you said it <laughs> as confirmation that, okay, I'm just making sure you know this is a crazy idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It was much more interesting to me than um, than using the REM pod again. Yeah, or not having the bones as another alternative. <laughs> or or not sacrificing bones to Satan. What you missed in the episode was the uh, Tamara, I believe her name was, uh, owner yeah. of the Devil's Tramping Ground. She told us that there was a goat sacrificed by an occultist group just the night before like sacrifice and that's where the bones the came night before from. Yeah. oh the my before. god yeah. yeah she 
she did mention that uh, that she had found animals there and um, goats in particular sacrificed and hanging. Um, but yes. uh, yeah, I don't think she mentioned the night before. That's that's incredible. So she really believed uh, like actual Satanists, people who um, sacrifice animals in the name of Satan, uh, did that do that regularly on her property. Uh, black, I would say black magicians, um, uh, cause like, I, I think the Satanists are against animal cruelty, believe it or not. That's <laughs> like, you're right. Yeah. 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 Really it's, did, it's yeah. very particular. So, but yeah, they're, they're sacrificing it to some kind of dark entity to achieve power. That's the whole thing. It's like, you know, I'm making this offering it's done in so many cultures. So you make this offering. And again, that's an energetic step to some kind of power to get some kind of reaction. So the whole idea was, okay, I want to try something different tonight for us and for the audience. And maybe it was a bad idea, but we did it anyway. I want to get back to real quick. The, um, the, there was, there was a, a dark magic, um, like, meet up there the night before where they sacrificed a goat. Is there like a Google doc that they work from? And they no. know when to meet. I mean, was there just fresh blood? Like, how did she know? Yeah, they they came in the morning. The carcass of the goat was there. It was slaughtered. They could see candles. They saw a whole bunch of stuff that they cleared out of there for us. Uh, but that was very real. They got rid of the the carcass. It was burned. They they so they had sacrificed it, and then they they threw it on the fire. Jeez, Luis. So this is in a completely different place. I just want to uh, make clear. This is in uh, North Carolina, a place called the Devil's Tramping Ground, uh, where you were at that that uh, lake house with Robert Ainsley, or I should say where he found that haunted lake house. That was outside of Austin, I believe. Yes, that's true. And I, I really I want to I want to get back to that mirror real quick, because. So he said that there was this mirror and in that house, and when you shot it, uh, shot video of it, there was this uh, like jagged black spot on the mirror that is just kind of like faded out and it doesn't reflect. And he was like, but when you look at it, it with your eyes, you see it. You don't see that faded out spot. But when, again, you look at it through the the viewfinder, it's there, and when you look at the footage, it's there. And then he said he brought it home to his garage, and he was like, the first night it was there, it fell over and broke exactly in that spot where it cut out that like black faded-out zone. So I guess my question is, what happened to that part of it? Did that part just smash? And was that like a like a demonic suicide mission, or was that, as Lance put it earlier, did that actually... like? Like the end of Ghostbusters part one, it just like let loose all the demons. See, I don't know. You know, that's such an interesting thing. Like, uh, I don't think he went to great lengths to hoax that because he wanted to give me the mirror. And I was like, no, He's like, well, you, I'll <laughs> send good. it to you. I'll mail it to you. I'm like, I don't <laughs> want the mirror, Robert. Well, yeah, I don't know how you break a mirror like that anyway. And then we did see the footage from from his own camera that that showed that. Um, you know, I'd want to look at it a little more and stuff just to make sure I see it from my own two eyes before completely accepting it. But kind of seemed seemed like the case to me. Yeah, I it, it seemed legit. Like I, I mean, I'm looking at you know, if you look at even moderately priced post special effects, and it, Robert doesn't strike me as a master filmmaker or anything. No offense. So I was looking at the shadow video of the mirror it seemed very legit to me and um and the fact that the way it was broken was was identical as well i mean it could have been hoaxed but 
uh, and then why would he hoax it and then try and give me the mirror? Maybe he, unless he just knew I was going to say no. You know? No, yeah. You, you put yourself in the room uh, voluntarily with uh, the doors shut and the lights off. Um, I'm curious, Haley, what happens when you leave the room? Do you go talk to the producers and are are you guys talking about what he's doing in there? Are you worried? Um, yeah, we're usually talking or trying to like hear what's going on, but um, we definitely worry, but we trust Christopher's judgment and he will usually get out of there if, if something seems dangerous. And he's mic'd still, right? So you, you're listening in on him. He still has his mic on him. Yes. Yeah, everybody else got to listen in on everything. I had no, uh, I had, I had no way of knowing what all these good people were talking about the entire time. <laughs> I never, I didn't have an earphone. In other words, yeah. An- another uncomfortable spot for you, Christopher, uh, seemed to be the sleep study that you did at the Sleep Center of Austin, where you met Doctor Douglas Hudson, a neurologist, and. Once again, you get hooked up with a bunch of bunch of stuff all over your head. Just when and, I think uh, that you're not going to put something on your head, <laughs> you're laying in bed with a bunch of crap on your head, <laughs> and uh, and you fall asleep with the cameras on, and it's it's monitoring your brain waves and brain patterns. And um, I like how the the show didn't really release its findings until late in the episode because they were uh, kind of significant, actually. Yeah, well, I really did fall asleep during that session. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was so exhausted. I just kind of completely fell asleep. The dream I had was really weird. I don't think it was in the episode or described, but um, it was less demonic and just bizarro. It, it, did you ever see the end of A Clockwork Orange where Alex is kind of in bed and all the reporters yeah. come in? It was like that. You, know? <laughs> I was, you had a dream that you were in bed and you were... You had Surround, people surrounded you? by crew, uh, some people that weren't really there. Like there were people Creepy. asking me questions. It was very much like the end of a Clockwork Orange. That's what you dreamed when you had the um, the apparatus on your head. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Okay, and then so at the end of the episode, they they gave you the results of that, and he called what you have uh, something. Something with like a he called it parasomnia or something like that. Uh, well, he he suggested I was very sleepy because I just fell asleep within two minutes. But yes, I was very sleepy. It was at the end of six months of a very grueling schedule, <laughs> yeah. and I was exhausted. We were just in the other room watching Chris sleep on the monitor. How, what was that like? Um, <laughs> well, we were all pretty jealous, I think. <laughs> I have a video of one of our camera guys like petting the monitor with Chris sleeping on it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, did you know that what's going on? I saw it later. No, well, we, had, <laughs> we were like a traveling family after a while. You know, we had a lot of fun together. So it was it just like a sorry? Was it just like a nap for you? It was like, because you did it during the the hour, the the witching hour, right? The, I did three and four. No, I always went into this 100%. I always wanted to, because I, you know, obviously the result is this show. I wanted to make the best show possible. And, and the idea was I had to submit myself to some of these things and, and, and try and find some results. So I wanted to, for the, for the audience and for the show, I wanted to see what happened to me when I was sleeping during the witching hour, because I've had sleep paralysis. Um, again, there are things that, you know, because of just, editing purposes and timing didn't make it into the episode, but I had 
such an intense dream once that I actually turned into a werewolf. And it oh, here we go. Physically, it was almost like I was having a seizure in my sleep. It was <laughs> okay. So, so insane. weird things. Ha- yeah. yeah. So, so you're not you're no stranger to sort of weird disrupts disruptions during your sleep. And I, I guess what I was asking was more like. Um, you know, the, the rest of the crew was in another room. Like how long did you actually sleep for? It sounds like you, you slept for at least like a, like a cycle. Was it like just like a few hours or was it the entire night and the rest of the crew went back to the hotel? I think, no, no, no. The, the, the crew was, um, you know, because they had to, they, they took a break. I think they left for a little bit. They were doing other things. Yeah. They went out to dinner stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, It was was a few hours at least, I think. Okay. So then when the doctor told you that what he saw in your sleep study was sort of similar to people who have parasomnia, which is characterized by a disorder by abnormal or unusual behavior of the nervous system during sleep. So is that kind of like validation for you that the the moments that you have while you're in your, I guess, or during the witching hour, whether they're waking dreams or some kind of experiences, do you, is that like validation for you in some way? Okay, so mind you, now this is an important thing to know. So finally, the effects of the God Helmet have worn off my sessions. But during that period, they were very heavy still. And they were there were remnants of all of those effects still occurring at that time. So I don't know if my sleep session at that you know, at, at that institution was, um, uh, or the Institute, sorry, uh, was affected by the God helmet at that time. Cause it may have been. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That could have been a residual yeah, so, effect of the God helmet. Yeah. And that was from episode one. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. And you were saying yeah. that you were having these micro naps for a long time after that. Yeah. I'm not having them anymore. So it took a while to wear off. Yeah. It took the entire summer for that, those God helmet sessions to wear off. Wow. Okay, well, that's well, interesting. We we hinted at this before, and and I I'm going to give an unintentional or yeah an unintentional plug. There's a documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The Nightmare, and it's about sleep paralysis. Love it. And it's you, oh you've seen it. I have. It's the scariest documentary I've ever seen in my life, and I can't watch it again because I feel like I'm going to uh, become. Uh, I'm going to get sleep paralysis uh, because it's contagious, because that was one of the scariest things that that documentary seemed to come up with was that these types of things, by power of suggestion, you will experience if you if your brain fires uh, the right way. Um, is this is I'm leading in a seven minute lead in to the WTF part with the psych, uh, the succubus story where you had Jermaine and Pamela. Terrain, I think their name is. Mm-hmm. Terrain yep. or Torin. Um, yeah. They had a nuts story that is very similar to sleep paralysis. Do you think that that's sleep paralysis? What do you make of their story? Uh, they seemed really genuine to me. In they fact, did. Uh, Jermaine was reluctant to talk, and Pamela had talked him into it, and I tried to assure them that, look, I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to smirk at your story. I really want to hear it. I've had experiences myself, so please, you're in good hands. I just want you to know that. Like, I'm not... You know, I tell that to people, because I'm not here to make a joke out of people. I've seen that in some other shows, and I think yeah. that's awful. It's awful. No, that's what the internet's for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I No, we're here to discuss these things, because people have experienced them throughout history. And so I think they felt a little more comfortable 
um, you know, because they're talking about some really private stuff too, you know? Yeah. And I just want to uh, read the definition here of succubus because that did come up a few times. That is uh, a female demon believed to have sexual intercourse with sleeping men. Is this is this just an excuse for like a like a nighttime boner? <laughs> I I think there's something to this. Going back to Doctor Barry Taft for a second, the antithesis of the succubus is the incubus. So the famous incubus story of Doris Byther, who ended up being the fictional version, Carla Moran played by Barbara Hershey in the movie, the entity. Uh, these things exist. That was one of the most powerful stories that I ever read about. And then learning it from Dr. Barry Taff over time that realizing it was very real. And they actually had at that time, and this is before way before Photoshop, way before the internet, they had evidence that baffled uh, photographic experts that couldn't, you couldn't dispute that these these anomalies in the photos, the lights, the way the light was bending, the images that were in those photos that Barry Taff and his crew took in the seventies, couldn't be disputed. They were they were real. They they couldn't explain them. And do you think that they that there's some uh, sort of uh, like contagiousness? I know we talk about the hitchhiker uh, theory. If it, just like the power of suggestion, where, where, what do you think the brain does when they hear these stories and and they process them? Are they more susceptible? Are they more open? And I guess, Haley, are, do you think you're more susceptible and open to experience these things and whether or not it's like a like an actual paranormal thing or maybe like a like a psychosomatic thing? I'm not really sure if I feel more susceptible to it after like knowing about it and learning about it. Um I don't often remember my dreams. If I do, it's like I remember it right away in the morning. But I haven't really had any personal experiences like spiritually or demonically at night. And, but, but you go uh, camping and hiking a lot, right? Yes. Do you think that that may be that sort of release might be important for you? Then you don't realize it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I didn't write this question down, but you were just talking about how you don't have any, you haven't had any sort of religious or spiritual, you know, um, experience with, with this sort of thing. And then it occurred to me, well, you, you put yourself in nature a lot. I don't know if that's just something that could be a good counter to, uh, to all of this, like kind of darkness that we're talking about. Does that even make sense? I, I mean, I'm just kind of working it out in my own head right now. Yeah, that does make sense. But usually when I'm out camping, and whatnot. Also, most of the times that I've been out camping and hiking by myself were before this whole experience. So at the time, I was more afraid of bears than anything else. <laughs> now, uh, would you go hiking and camping to the devil's uh, tramping ground by yourself? No, that was the scariest night of my life. <laughs> really? That was the, like, there was so much that happened even off camera. Like, that was the scariest night of my life. I, I never want to go back there ever again. <laughs> okay and uh so this is a real place that exists it's in north carolina and uh, i looked it up on google there are um, a lot of reviews some of them very um humorous like this one from cohen l jabi says 10 out of 10 would come again met this weird dude with horns we talked for a while seems like a really cool guy he breathes fire too does he work at the campgrounds if so you should give him a raise <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but there are plenty. That one's obviously a joke. But um, 
the, you know, it it is a place that uh, that is sort of in folklore known to uh, be the the place where where the devil lives. Is that not the the legend? And do you believe in the devil, Christopher and Haley? Do you do you guys believe in the devil? Absolutely. You're on the line with them right now. It's Lance. I, yeah. Hello. Oh yeah. <laughs> I um after that experience, I definitely believe in something evil. <laughs> I uh, I believe in, in evil forces for sure. The devil himself, if you go back in tradition and folklore and religious texts, was an angel, a fallen angel, uh, and damned, you know? It's like the Dracula story or other things. It's been told so many times. So I don't, you know, I believe that there is something that happens that people who have experienced possession and people who have felt heavy energies and forces have been experiencing a true phenomena. What I believe these things are, are amorphous cosmic energies. So in other words, they exist. They don't need to take any form or shape, but once we encounter them, I think it, uh, it integrates with our subconscious our imagination our fears all of that stuff and i think these energies thrive off of that and could affect us for instance if there's a home where a couple moves in who they're very happy and they have a great relationship and then all of a sudden everything starts going downhill quick people are getting sick they're fighting and then one day this guy just murders his whole family and all the neighbors don't even realize what the hell happened i don't even understand they were great everybody was fine this has happened a lot of times, and so there are people that believe these kind of amorphous energies exist. Some people are calling them demons because in folklore they didn't they needed to give it a name, they needed to give it a shape. And so our subconscious and our fears of all that stuff could give these amorphous energies some kind of existence. And I think that's what Barry Taff, who's a scientist, was talking about. That I think it's not just us that's projecting it. There might be it needs a catalyst, and that catalyst are these energies that we can't see. You know, it's been written about in fiction. H.P. Lovecraft wrote about it. Could be some kind of interdimensional energy, but I believe it's something like that, and in its most simplistic terms. I'm so glad that I asked that question. I love it. <laughs> I love every single word of of both of your answers. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I think that's uh, really interesting. You're not just here saying, "Look, there are ghosts. Everybody not, must believe in them." Um, you're very open to what it could be. Sure, sure. I, I I think it's something we don't fully understand. It could be, you know, because we're starting. We're just, through quantum physics. We're starting to really just discover that there are these multiple dimensions, and I think it's. We're living in, in a, we, we are living a mystery still. I know we try to create this facade and this artifice to make us feel safe and that we don't, the mystery is gone and we know what life is. We don't, we really don't. Uh, I, I think we know less of what it is now because we're surrounded by artifice. And in the past, I think because there was so much folklore back then, remember 300 years BC, uh, Aristotle wrote the metaphysics. Read that. That guy was super intelligent, more intelligent than most people we know probably, right? Or, or could know. But that was at a time where people had their heads clear and they weren't surrounded by artifice and they, they had time to think and stay open to things. And that was also a time of mysticism. And so uh, these are the things I think about. And, and, and so that's my answer. <laughs> that's great. And 
I'll definitely uh maybe if I'm feeling daring enough I will pick up uh something written by Aristotle. Um it's very intimidating to me. Uh <laughs> just being a uh, a meager uh, podcaster. You did say getting back to the Devil's Tramping Ground that there were instances that happened that did not make the show. We all saw what what happened on the show, but do you have a couple of stories you guys that that you can share with us some behind the scenes stuff that happened at that at the most terrifying place that you guys have ever been? Sure. Yeah. Uh, who who wants to go first? I'll go. Um, okay. <laughs> so this instance was the craziest for me. And like, I'm not really surprised they didn't put it in because like there really is no way of proving it. But there was a point when we were all walking down the trail, like it was me, Chris and the whole crew, like recording us that walked down the trail and we came back and in the part in the episode, you see Chris put the EMF reader on his sleeping bag. And when we came back from the trail, the EMF reader was like 10 feet away, like in the woods. And our producer, Jamie, was like, hey, guys, like, go grab the EMF reader. And Chris and I were like, who put that there? And the whole crew, like, swore up and down that no one moved it. And that was bizarre to me because it wasn't even windy until later in the night when wind picked up. Like, it was, like, no wind at all. And the EMF reader moved, like, 10 feet away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had a very similar experience. Uh, it was shortly after we offered the bones it was a very still, humid night. These things really did happen. And first, it was just like, I don't know, about 100 bats flying above us all of a sudden, swooping down and going back up to the tree canopy. You know, at Arcade, that's normal. That's fine. We're in the middle of the woods and, you know, lots of bats. That's fine. But then the wind started picking up. Then people were hearing strange noises like, you know, in the distance and maybe it was frogs, right? I'm, I'm trying to just give it a name every single time and then dismiss any kind of phenomena. But then, you know, Alina was grabbed and she felt something strange. And then I had this horrible nightmare. And then it was just like, you know, one thing after another and we just wanted to leave, you know? Oh, there was also this little tiny, and, and again, could have just been hanging around, whatever, but there was this little tiny, black butterfly that kept landing in the center of that circle, the devil's tramping ground all day. And he kept coming back and he would land in the middle and then fly away and come back again. You get a glimpse of him in the show. Cause I, we were like, you have to shoot this thing. And it was this odd looking, beautiful black butterfly. So I don't know what that was all about. So you were presented now with the option to spend the night, uh, dream just see what happens when you're there you had a really cool moment with the crew where they're telling you um you sure you want to do this they're just really trying to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into and you keep saying this is why i'm here this is why we came here this is what i came here to do and you and Haley both spent uh, a little bit of time alone at the devil's tramping ground um what what happened then what what was going on well, uh, we just decided to try and take a nap and see if uh, we experience anything in the middle of the night. And you know, what time was this at? Uh, this was at the witching hour. So this was at the, the three a.m. time, or which just before three a.m. Everybody was taking a taking a hike. Okay. Um, and Haley, did you try to sleep as well? Uh, honestly, I don't even think I tried because I knew I wasn't going to fall asleep. I just laid there. Okay, now uh, million dollar question. <clears throat> of course, this is the the series or the season finale. 
There's kind of a uh, Ross Rachel vibe between you two. Will they, won't they thing. This was the moment. <laughs> was there any cuddling or snuggling during no. this hour? <laughs> Not at all. Okay, we'll ask you off record. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it was a place to cuddle anyway. <laughs> yeah, unless, I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> fellow blood drinkers, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I had to ask. So what did what happened? Because you everything abruptly came to an end, and you're like, "We're getting the f out of here." It got really cold out of yeah. nowhere when it wasn't cold, and the REM pod went off out of nowhere, and. <clears throat> I was like, they only really show Chris being like, let's get the fuck out of here. But I definitely said the same thing. <laughs> hey, can you explain what the REM pod is again? <laughs> uh, Christopher. Okay. Well, as far as I know, being that I'm not an expert ghost hunter, and in the Deadlands episode, we had a guy. We was, it was a great scene. It was like the scene in Escape from New York. You know, he had this great overhead shot. We had the REM pod, all the equipment. And he was explaining what it does, which you rarely see in these shows. Like, you really, you know, you want to explain to the audience. It's not, it shouldn't be so idiosyncratic. So, but the REM pod is a device uh, invented by ghost hunters uh, or parapsychologists, maybe, uh, that generates a field electromagnetic field around itself and when that field is disturbed there are certain lights that go off so it's it's like an electronic ouija board in a, in a way and um again you know i am not aware of any way to remotely mess with it or activate it and i was always asking and always making sure that we weren't faking anything and the so several times throughout this journey on a couple of these episodes that we did use the REM pod, it worked. It went off. Um, and I believed it to be a real thing. So uh, what I, you know, what exactly that is, I don't know. We, we don't have the, the data to analyze it. And I, you know, I don't have the proof to know for sure exactly what was disturbing the field. But it did go off right after we were asking questions. I love the REM pod. Yeah, me too. I have a I have a question, and maybe if you answered it previously and I I missed it, I apologize. Is there like a base of like reference with the REM pod or even um, an EMF device? Do you set like some sort of base so that you know what normal is? Well, or... yeah, it has to be it has to be set to a baseline, meaning like it's clear. There's nothing in the area, so it's just simply just turning it on and off, as far as I can see. Okay, so that's like sort of calibrating it. Was there anything in that area that was uh, like power lines or uh, like a power station or? No. Um, Lance, there was the part in the ground in the earth where nothing grew. Hello. Well, I was going to go on Google Earth and look at this, and then I thought that that was even too, uh, you know, flying too close to the sun for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that is a that is wh wh why the ground is considered very bizarre to begin with, right? Or that's at least where some of the legend began. I take it is is this kind of circle that nothing grows and uh, sort of looks ominous, right? Right in the kind of in the middle of the forest. Yeah, and again, you know, there are, there are clearings in the forest, but this was this was odd. You know, the place has the, the thing that. It doesn't convince me, but the thing that I find to be really interesting is that for so many years, 
because there are clearings in just about every forest in the world. Why does this one attract so much attention? Why do people come from all over the world? Why do people sacrifice goats here? Every town, and this is what I was talking to Tamara about, was like every town has a local legend. Every town has a Mary's grave. Every town has this or that. And um, it's usually, you know, stays to the indigenous people of that town. It doesn't really go beyond and attract the world's attention. So there's something to this place, you know, and, and there's something authentic enough to bring those people in. And I felt that to be fascinating. Okay, so you both are left there alone. And Chris, you lean up against a tree, get comfortable. You want to try to fall asleep, see what you're going to dream. Haley, you can't sleep. You were just there. What was going through your mind when you were watching Chris fall asleep? And how did he come out of it? Because when I was watching the episode... I saw it all come together in like a produced way, but I'm really, really curious as to your take just sitting there one-on-one with, with him and, and the demons and the demons. Um, I was laying there and I think we, I think we did both wake up when the REM pod went off and that was when Chris realized that he had a weird dream. But um, I was sitting there, there were a lot of bats out of nowhere, like when everyone left. So I was kind of just like looking up at the bats and I was like waiting until we could leave. There were bats. So yeah. you could see the bats in the lights from like their camera equipment? Yeah, and the stars. Oh, it was a clear night. Yeah, it was pretty, it was a pretty clear night. And then all of a sudden it got really windy when Christopher and I were there alone. And how long before the REM pod went off? I don't remember exactly how long it was. Because no matter what, my answer is going to say that it felt like 10 hours. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. time did you end up leaving the woods? Christopher, do you remember? It was early. It was before it even got light out. So probably like 4 or 5-ish. I don't remember. Yeah, it was closer to 5 a.m., I think. Do you feel like you might have experienced some lost time? Uh... I don't know. You know, again, it could be uh, like psychosomatic, you know, the, the, the symptoms of feeling there was just so suggestive and all the things that were going through my head all day and the omens like the black butterfly and all that stuff. I mean, like, you know, I have an imagination. I write horror sci-fi fiction and all that stuff and making horror movies and watching them and it all informs that energy. So I can't dismiss that from my mind. And um, But there was something in particular about the energy that night because I was really trying to clear that all out and even try and find some things to be humorous. And there was just this kind of, there really was a, I don't know, there was like, there was a negative, a heavy negative there for sure. What was your dream? Okay, well, again, that, that dream sequence was shot later. It wasn't shot that night. And yeah. um, I I had a dream... Uh, similar to what was photographed was that it was just this I had my hands over my eyes and my eyes were bleeding and it was like blood showering through my fingertips and my mouth and stuff like that it was just it was like a, a dream of being strangled being suffocated by all this horrific imagery and um, you know that's that's what informed the recreation in that sense but 
yeah, it was just wasn't a good feeling, you know, and I, I didn't dream it long enough to hang out and observe like I just had it and it was time to leave. It was just time to go. My goodness, Chris. All right. So conclusion on this episode is that that time of night between three and four is particularly different than the rest of uh, the the times, right? I mean, is it, it, it you're more likely to have some kind of paranormal experience during that hour than not during that hour. Is that fair to say? If you look throughout history and you read the stories, there are so many people that have had experiences during that time. And so I, I felt it to be similar to the way people describe, um, you know, traditional Halloween was like, that's the time of year where, or the, the one day out of the year, the one night out of the year where the veil between the living and the dead is thin. Well, there are people that suggest that the witching hour itself is like this kind of nightly Halloween in a sense where that veil is very thin, you know, every night at that hour. And um, who knows, you know, like, again, we don't understand, we only understand it on our terms you know, through folklore and our interpretations. But there is this other element, this um, this interdimensional element or this cosmic element that we can only interpret over the years. So we know folklore looking back and how it was interpreted. We know how we see it now. And the way we see it now, it's like modern folklore is our, all of these ghost hunter shows and all this stuff that we talk about and these stories that we're telling each other right now. And we don't know what it's going to evolve into in the future. Um, and that, I believe, is what all of these people experience during this time that really are credible people. We've talked to some, you know, uh, there, Nikita and Ashley were only shown briefly in the final cut of the episode. But they they have some great stories to tell. You guys should have them on, too. Um, and they told us some, some you know, some profound stories. There's no reason Ashley's a single mom. Like, there's no reason why... She would just make this up, you know, they seem really legit, just like Pamela and Jermaine. And so that should be taken into consideration. I, I don't think it's just a bunch of crazy people wanting to uh, make things up. So I think right. people are having a genuine experience. What it is, we don't know. I don't think we've ever really known what these things are. I think, just my opinion from reading and both sides of the coin, the, the, the tra traditional folklore uh, and the people who've experienced things and, and modern, you know, quantum physics, like kind of just interpret interpreting this as something that's a real thing, I think could only be uh, labeled as interdimensional or some kind of cosmic thing that we fully don't understand. Well, well, Chris, you've done it again. You've opened Once our again. minds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this show, congratulations, both you and Haley trainer, uh, on Strange World Season 1. We hope there is a Season 2. Um, as, as it stands now, how are you feeling? Do you, uh, do you have any intel on what, what's the future for Strange World? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have a lot of intel on it. It's a daily thing for me. You know, I'm the one that conceived the show in the beginning, so I think I have the most invested in this. Uh, and... Um, we talk, I'm actually going to New York to have talks about the future of Strange World uh, this week. 
So wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Can't wait to uh to hear that season two is greenlit and we want to cover it again here on Strange World. And uh as you mentioned, yeah, I we want to continue with some of these interviews and really kind of dive more into this idea that you talk about in this episode, especially because there's a lot of fascinating concepts at play here. Yeah, because we only get a certain window of time when we're talking to you on this podcast and it's been Already, it's been an hour, and and we have we just touched the surface of the behind the scenes of the episode, and there's there's so much more with with each episode of this show. We could do we could do a whole season on on this one this one particular uh, topic, you know. And in the meantime, you know, between your visit in New York and when season two is announced, I think we should, uh, I think we should periodically check in maybe on, you know, we'll have our, our strange world Mondays and we'll check in and, uh, and just, you know, hash out some of the, uh, behind the scenes. I would love to, I would love to guys. I, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, talking to you every week. And, and also your philosophy behind it all, which is totally different than the other shows that are out there. And I think that's something that when people are watching the, the show, just keep that in the back of your mind that Christopher is trying to present to you something in a way that is new and fresh and it's deeper than most of those other. Uh, and I'm not saying anything bad about the other paranormal shows or anything like that, but there is a message that's underneath all of all of the production. And uh, and I think that's a really cool thing to do, especially in this genre. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's the intention. It's all for the audience. I mean, like, obviously, it's something I want to do, but it, it it has to be for the audience. And so, if you if you examine what's going on and what's been done over the last decade in this type of programming, it's time for something fresh. This is not an insult to those uh, other people. It's just time. You know, it's time that the audience gets something fresh in addition to whatever else they're they're watching and enjoying. Haley, are you getting your spinoff show? Uh, yeah, it's just going to be me telling Chris not to piss off the spirits over and over. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a long show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you both very much for joining us here again on Beyond Strange World. We really appreciate it. And please let us know when you know about season two. I will. And that is a promise. 